Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. The I Am Rappaport Stereo, Stereo Podcast, live. You're down with Rappaport? Yes, I am. 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 You better tune in, IamRappaport.com. Because every single podcast, you know he drops bombs. I seen him on set, a seasoned vet with true talent. Catch him on his way to CrossFit, rocking the new balance. He asked me to do the track, because he know I rhyme elite. But I'm just waiting for the Robert De Niro line of the week. Breakfast of champions, toasted bagel, cream cheese, and lox. This is I Am Rappaport, the show never stops. You might catch him out in public, stretching his knees. But if you don't listen to the show, yo, wiggle, please. Wiggle, please. This is the... Podcast. What's up? What's up? What's up? This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. My name is Michael Rappaport, aka the Gringo Mandingo, aka the White Chocolate Tito, aka the Pusha T of Podcasting. And you are now rocking with the best. This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing all the good, the bad, and the despicable uh, that's went down. Um, crazy ass weekend, crazy ass last couple of days. Um, when we talking Red Sox with my man, Nick Turturro, Nick Turturro is back. If you remember a few weeks ago, Nick Turturro guaranteed me that the Houston Astros would beat the shit at the Boston Red Sox. Well, he was fucking wrong. Um, and a lot of people, and when I say a lot of people, I don't just Say a lot of people. A lot of people have said you need to get Nick Turturro back on the podcast. 
and have him explain himself. So he is here via phone. I'm calling him up. Um, I'm going to be doing my thing, going solo on that ass. Plus, former NFL All-Pro Sean Lights Out Merriman is going to be here to talk NFL, the good, the bad, and the crazy. Plus, he is making his debut as a bare-knuckle fighter. Sean Merriman, who's got a lot of money, he ain't doing it for the money. He's really doing it for the honey on November 9th, Rise of the Titans. Sean Lights Out Merriman, former NFL All-Pro linebacker, whose nickname probably wouldn't even be usable in today's NFL um, talking NFL, I'm asking point blank, why the fuck are you fighting? Because I know it's not about money. Um, and so much more with Sean Merriman. This is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Miles, Jordan, let me get something real nice, something real proper. Oh, my goodness. It's that time of year. The NBA is back. And honestly, it's better than ever. Now is the time to put your knowledge to the test and win some cash. MyBookie.ag is the place for all NBA action all season long. Listen, it's a jam-packed week of games every single day. Bet who's going to win in individual games or in a parlay fashion. Speaking of winning, okay, you can place your bets on team win totals, who takes their division or conference, and who will meet in the NBA Finals. That's right, you could bet on all that right now. They've even got NBA specials that you could bet on, like where will Kyrie, Clay, or KD end up next season? Or will JR be fined for exposing his supremely stupid tattoo? I vote yes. I think he will be fined. Use the promo code Rappaport for a 100% bonus on your first deposit. The promo code is Rappaport. You get a 100% bonus on your first deposit. Come with me at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid at mybookie.ag. All right. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. Gringo Mandingo. Uh, A.K.A. White Mike, A.K.A. Bird, um, and we're here doing the damn thing. First of all, uh, Moody, G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty, hasn't been on the podcast lately. I spoke about this on the premium episode a couple of weeks ago, and um, there is no real sort of answer um, or reason why he hasn't been on the episode the last few weeks. Um, he's been in New York. I've been in Los Angeles. Scheduling has gotten in the way, um, and there's no beef. Um, but, you know, we've been rocking for four years. He will be back. I would bet that he will be back on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I'll be in New York soon. We're going to meet up and go over things. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, tough to, to lock it down. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we're not in the same place at the same time. But... You know, it's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Uh, we're going to continue to kick ass, talk big shit, and take names while we do it. Um, but I don't have any real, you know, answer uh, or any uh, 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 date 
or when Moody will come back on the podcast. He will be back on the podcast. I'm pretty sure about that. There's no beef. There's no big story. I would never disrespect or make up some shit uh, or talk any shit about G. Moody. Last name rhymes with duty. Um, we're going to continue uh, doing the damn thing. And, uh, you know, it is it is what it is right now. Like I said, I'll be in New York this week. I'm going to New York um, for a few different things. Saturday night in the garden, in Madison Square Garden, my guy, our guy, friend of the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, and just a good dude, Derek the Beast Lewis, who's been on the podcast twice, two fucking times, is fighting in the world's most famous arena, UFC 230. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait to see UFC in New York City at the Garden. I can't wait to see Derek Lewis fight Daniel Cormier, who's, yo, he's got his hands full. Daniel Cormier is the champion. He's multi-skilled. He could wrestle. He could fight. He's, you know, I mean, most people would say he's more of a skilled UFC fighter than our guy, Derek the Beast Lewis. Um, but, yo, Derek Lewis has more than a puncher's chance to win this fight, and I will be on the sidelines or ringside talking all kinds of shit. Derek, Derek, um, Daniel Cormier is a classy dude. I actually met him one time over at ESPN. You, it's hard not to like him. He's classy. He's nice. He's always dealt with, uh, you know, defeat well, wins well. He's just classy. And uh, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be nuts. Fucking UFC in the garden is going to be nuts. Um, and I'm going there for that. And then I'm going there for uh, Charles Oakley is doing something with his cooking show, which is going to be bugged out uh, with me, Oak, and I believe uh, Scottie Pippen. I'm, I'm going to ask Scottie Pippen straight up to his fucking face. I'm going to ask Scottie Pippen straight up to his fucking face. How good did you think you were, Duke? And I, and I can ask that because he, he's talking all kinds of shit. Like it's like he's a top five player. And, and it was never proven that you were a top five player when you weren't with uh, uh, your man. Um, I'm not going to be disrespectful because obviously he, he was great. He won championships. He's got many rings and things. But I want to ask him straight up. You're talking a lot of shit. Like why aren't I on the list for top five player, top ten player? I'm this, I'm that. I was LeBron before. What the fuck are you talking about, Scotty? Okay, because the one time that Phil Jackson was going to put you in the game uh, to be the star, uh, you didn't want to go in because Tony Kukoc was going to get the shot, whatever the fuck it was. Shit that Mike never did, LeBron never did, Isaiah Thomas never did. So uh, I, I'm going to see Scottie Pippen in New York, who I've met a couple of times, but we never really had a really mano y mano. Never really had another a real mano y mano. And it's in New York, Oakley will be there, so you know he's got my fucking back. And I'm doing actually something with them. At that. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. If you're listening to this today, October 30th, tonight on TBS, and I'm sure it'll be replaying, I strongly, strongly recommend, if you're a fan of this podcast and you're a fan of uh, anything that has to do with me, you watch the guest book on TBS I am returning to that show. It's the second season of that show. It's the creator of uh, the show. My name is Earl. My man, Greg Garcia, I've talked about this show. Well, let me tell you something. I got a, 
I got a surprise for you motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. I got a surprise for you motherfuckers on the guest book, episode number two of season two. Uh, I think it's going to trip you the fuck out. It'll be on tonight. If you're listening to this in real time, uh, October 30th on TBS, and, you know, they rerun it, and they... You know, got it on, uh, you know, DirecTV, record, well, all the shit. I ain't no fucking Google. I ain't no uh, Amazon machine here, okay? Uh, you know how to find a show if you want to find a show. It's season two of the guest book, episode two. It's a one-off guest star, but I am telling you, I got something real nice, real proper, and you're going to be like, whoa. Uh, uh, and I can't wait for uh, people to check it out. I am Rappaport Podcast. They caught that pipe bomber who looks like the sick fuck of the decade. I got to give a shout out to my guy, Shane Schroeder, artist extraordinaire. He uh, he actually designed one of the dopest uh, I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast Buttersoft t-shirt, the infamous, iconic Jake t-shirt. And he's a stupid good artist. His paintings, all his shit is sick. You should check him out. Uh, my guy, Shane Schroeder on Instagram and on uh, Twitter, check out his art. His name is spelt like Ricky Schroeder. Remember the actor Ricky Schroeder? I don't know where the fuck Ricky Schroeder is. Um, Ricky Schroeder, who, uh, you know, from the movie The Champ. He was also on that other show with Jason Bateman. I can't remember. He had the blonde hair, the blue eyes. He was in Champ with John Voight. Champ, wake up, Champ. Um, he sent me a, a, a collection of this pipe bomber who and and Shane Schroeder is 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 now pushing for him, the pipe bomber. I can't remember his name. Who gives a fuck? You ain't getting out of jail, homie. Uh, but he sent me a collection of pictures of this pipe bomber, uh, and, and Shane Schroeder is suggesting that this could possibly be the sick fuck of the decade. This dumb sick fuck um, has a collection of headshots where he was losing his hair. Then he got some sort of glue-on hairpiece, and then he was losing the glue-on hairpiece, and then he got some, like, I don't know, kind of what the fuck he did, shoe polish plugs, and then he got a, a ponytail, whatever. He's got a, a decade of, of mug shots with all different phases of balding. Um, this prick just showed up in, in, in court. You're never getting out of prison. You sent... You send bombs to ex-presidents, ex-vice presidents, and to Bob De Niro. You sick fuck you. This guy uh, was a stripper, a male stripper, who was hopped up on steroids and hair care and hair plugs. You're a male stripper with a plug job. And if you look at this guy's face, the pipe bomber, I don't know who gassed him up and told him he looked good because you don't look good money you, you you don't look dope um i don't i'm sure you weren't making good money as a stripper because nobody wanted to see you unfold the loaf you look like a sick fuck um and he had his van everybody saw the pictures of his van uh and, and all that stuff unfortunately they caught this prick and and none of his bombs worked off imagine you see this freak in the uh what's the name of the uh the hardware store uh 
the big hardware store. He was in one of those big hardware stores. The, uh, you know, the famous one, the chain, the big famous ones, whatever the fuck. Listen, it's the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. We don't fact check. But you see this hopped up steroid freak with a bad plug job walking around, coming in there, in and out, in and out. He's in the plumbing and piping sections. They, they knew he was a sick fuck. They had their eyes on him. Uh, and, and he should have disguised and got himself a wig, did something. I'm glad they arrested this asshole. And fortunately, none of his bombs went off. Um, but the crazy, crazy thing about the last week is that the pipe bomber and the attempted blowing up of uh, President Obama, Joey Biden, Hillary Clinton, to name a few, plus Bob De Niro, has been completely overshadowed by the heart breaking massacre that took place um, a few days ago, Saturday, in Pittsburgh in the morning in a synagogue, in a temple, where uh, people were attending a bris. If you don't know what a bris is, it's a circumcision. And this piece of shit came in there, and uh, everybody's heard what happened. It was just devastating to hear about. Um, All the victims that died were elderly. Four policemen were also shot. And, um, you know, at something that's supposed to be so special and memorable and exciting and, you know, just... You know, that you never would expect something like this to happen. It happened at the Tree of Life Synagogue in, in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. I, I, it was so hard to, to sort of uh, digest what happened. Uh, they caught the guy. or I, I don't know if he, he turned himself in or he got shot. I, I don't know. This guy, Robert Bowers, who showed up in court in a wheelchair. And I don't know why he didn't show up in court in worse than a wheelchair. Um, I would have liked to seen him show up with his head kicked in, alive, but with his head kicked in, maybe uh, missing an eye uh, or, or something like that. But, you know, there's nothing really to go on and say uh, because it's just devastating, heartbreaking. And, you know, I don't want to go into the politics of it all, um, but Dick Stain, Donald Trump, I, 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 you know, He said uh, this a few hours after the incident. Miles, play that that little clip. Well, again, uh, this has little to do with it. If you take a look, if they had protection inside, uh, the results would have been far better. This is a dispute that will always exist, I suspect. I don't know why he, he, he couldn't just say something like, listen, Now is not the time to talk policy. Now is not the time to talk politics uh, or gun control. That's a conversation that that needs to and will take place later. Right now is the time to send our condolences, send our prayers and our thoughts to the victims, families, and loved ones. He, he, He couldn't say that. He couldn't just simply say that. Even I, who's somebody who's who's... I know I'm not articulate. Even I would know to say something like that. Simple, clean. 
This piece of shit starts blaming. Four police officers were also shot. And he's saying, why didn't they protect themselves if they had had protection and guards? So you think this is like Black Hawk Down? It's like apocalypse now. There's going to be a shootout in a synagogue and like uh, an armed guard out there with a handgun is going to be able to defend himself and he's shooting. The whole thing is just just devastatingly heartbreaking. Um, But the shooter, the killer, um, showed up in a wheelchair. I don't think they had any pictures. I I believe the the, the mugshot they had of him, he didn't have any bruises. But I, I saw a guy... In Argentina, who I think should be father of the year, a man in Argentina who whose teacher, he has a daughter, the, the daughter's teacher was accused of a sexually assaulting uh, this man's daughter, um, and, and the news um, in Argentina caught this guy on camera beating the shit out of the teacher. Um, if you look this guy up, um, he had looked like he just fought 15 rounds with Roberto Duran in his prime. Busted eye, busted lip. The guy, uh, the teacher, Jorge Cruceno, sick fuck that he is. Um, he survived the attack, but the father threw 22 punches in 15 seconds. This is the father of the year. And, and, you know, people were saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Violence isn't necessary. This is how you would imagine and hope to act. The teacher sexually assaults your 15-year-old daughter. You see the teacher. You beat the shit out of him. 22 punches in 15 seconds. That's like Floyd Mayweather, Sugar Ray Leonard hand speed. Guy's face is all fucked up. Busted lip. Busted eye. Looks like Rocky in the 15th round. Rocky won in Rocky 77. Uh, you know, of course, they, they they fought 15 rounds when he first fought Creed. Um, they no longer fight 15 rounds. They fight 12 rounds. He looked like Rocky at the end of the 14th round uh, when he said to Rocky, uh, and I quote, cut me, Mick. Uh, cut me. And Mick says, I don't want to do it. And he goes, cut me. I can't see my eye. And he cuts him. That's how the, this guy needed to get his eye cucked. Uh, open by uh, Mickey Burgess Meredith. Um, and that's the way he should look after assaulting, sexually assaulting uh, his 15-year-old student and this man's uh, daughter. Father of the Year. Find this man. Let's give him the Father of the Year Award. So, on a lighter, 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 lighter note, the Cleveland sports teams... In Cleveland, the city got a twofer, a Cleveland two-step. In the last 48 hours, they fired Cleveland coach, Cleveland Cavaliers coach Ty Lue. We we all saw that coming. I've been on Ty Lue's ass. I don't know why you didn't just step away after last season, Ty Lue. You should have packed your fucking big suits and left. You won a championship after taking over the job. Let's not forget, Ty Lue was given the job when the Cleveland Cavaliers had the best record in the NBA. They fired David Blatt in the darkness of night. Remember that? And that same year, 
This was 2016. Yes. 2016. They went on to beat. This is uh, when uh, Draymond. This is 3-1. This is when the Golden State Warriors were, were up 3-1. When Draymond Green got suspended for the phantom dick kick on LeBron James. And uh, the Golden State Warriors lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in seven games. LeBron James blocked Andrea Godala's shot, his layup. Um, you know the rest. And Ty Lue was crying on the bench, and I'm just a kid, and all, all, all. He won the championship. Then the next year, we know what happened. Durant, Steph Curry, they beat their ass uh, uh, in five games and then in four games. And when LeBron left, you should have... You should have just packed your fucking bags, Ty Lue. Last year, they almost put you in a mental institution. Remember that? He had to take a break because he was so stressed out of his mind. And I'm not making light of that. But you knew shit wasn't going to be sweet, Ty Lue. You knew it wasn't going to be sweet. What, what did you want to prove? Like, oh, I can do it without Bronny? No, you fucking can't. You got J.R. Smith. Somehow or another, you didn't trade that fucking guy away. You got Rodney Hood. You got fucking Larry Nance Jr. You got my man Kevin Love and, and a bunch of other guys that were put the, put there. Flunkies. Flunkies. You got a bunch of other flunkies. The only person on that team who's not a flunky is Kevin Love. They started the season 0-6, and I loved every single minute of it. I was so happy. I've been reporting each game on Twitter. Cleveland Cavaliers are 0-4. Cleveland Cavaliers are 0-5. Cleveland Cavaliers are 0-6. I loved it. And they fired Ty Lue. Why did you fire Ty Lue when they're 0-6? Ty Lue, why did you not quit when the chips were stacked up in your favor? You should have got the fuck out of there while you were ahead. You didn't do it. I don't know what they expect to happen. Larry Drew who used to be a really good player uh, back in the days. Days. I don't say back in the day. Days. Wasn't one day. Bunch of days. Uh, it's taken over as the interim coach. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? I just don't get why the fuck Ty Lue didn't just get the fuck out of there. You had a good thing. Now you got to fucking, you got to like box all your shit up and leave Cleveland. And then, uh, I think less than 24, no, less than 48 hours, the Cleveland Browns, who, if you uh, remember, were the focal point, the featured team on HBO's Hard Knocks. I'm a big fan. I've watched it every season. I think that show's been on the air now 20 years. Something like that. 15 seasons. Um, They were all gacked up and hyped up. They had the Josh Gordon stuff and... They got the fat offensive lineman coach, and things were all cute on HBO. And Hugh Jackson, we're changing our ways here, and he even made the players. You remember this shit? He even made the players on the team during training camp, during preseason, they had to play for the right to get the brown stripe on their helmet. As if that's dope. As if... That is something to play for. Like, that's the fucking shield. Like, oh, that's the the Dallas Cowboys star, the Pittsburgh Steelers thing. Nobody's excited about being in Cleveland. So the, the Cleveland Browns fired Hugh Jackson. Okay? 
You thought fucking Baker Mayfield was going to cut it? You thought that Jarvis Landry was going to cut it? Didn't cut it. You got fired. And you went on hard knocks. You jumped in the rivers. Your fucking fans, your fans celebrated. They did a parade last year. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they say. They did a fucking parade last year when they were 0-16. Two years ago, these fucks, 0-16. Hugh Jackson's first season, they won one fucking game. 1-15. 2017, 0-16. As far as I'm concerned, Hugh Jackson should have gotten fired after being 0-16. When you're, let me me do the math. When you're 1-31, 1-31, you should be fired. If they bring Hugh Jackson back for this season, 2018, they should have just given him a lifetime contract. Because of course he thinks shit is sweet. Shit is sweet. You didn't win one fucking game. You bring in Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and you think that's going to fix it? I guarantee you Hugh Jackson and Ty fucking Lou are on a plane right now with Bizarro Stan Van Gundy to Thailand to get it all the way in. Ty Lu and Hugh Jackson are on their fucking way to Thailand to freak off like they've never freaked off in their life. And Stan Van Gundy will be sitting there watching and enjoying the whole fucking thing. You think that Hugh Jackson or Ty Lu will ever go back to Cleveland? What did they expect? Of course... The Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be 0-6. They don't have any players. At least the Cleveland Browns had one tie this year. They just lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but of course they're going to lose to the fucking Pittsburgh Steelers. They're supposed to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have a coach who's 1-31 two seasons ago. 1-30 fucking one. Meaning he won one game and lost 31. These fuckers were celebrating a tie early this year. It's Cleveland. Ty Lue will never go back to Cleveland. He'll probably go back to Cleveland in 20 years when they have the annual, uh, the 20-year reunion of the, the, the team that won the championship. He'll be 65 pounds overweight. Guaranteed. He's already put on so much weight. He looks like shit since he's taken over. Remember Ty Lue when he first took over the job as a Cleveland Cavaliers coach? He was lean and mean. Fucking guy had to take a two-week vacation last year during the fi- during the season. That job was stressing him out. But you wanted to come back for more, and now you got fired. Hugh Jackson, I don't know what the fuck kind of agent or 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 uh, what do you call it, a fucking uh, lawyer you have. How you had your job after going one in fifteen and then zero in sixteen. But you both are out. You fucks you. Enjoy Thailand. Enjoy Thailand. Zero <sighs> in six. Fired and they got 82 games left. Let Ty Lu live. And whatever, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't like anything that has to do with Cleveland sports. I don't like anything that has to do with Boston sports. It's not the same thing. I just like the stuff at the Cleveland. But they're used to this. This is their comfort zone. Being miserable, losing, getting rid of coaches. 
halfway through the NFL season, getting rid of coaches six games into the NBA season. This is their happy place. This is where they feel most comfortable. As I told you later on in the uh, This Year I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast, I uh, we got Nick, Nick DeTuro. I'm going to get him on the phone, talk to him about his... Uh, Terrible prediction of the uh, Boston Red Sox. And and I'm going to ask him point blank. uh, Because, you know, I I still don't know much about the Boston Red Sox who just won the World Series. Um, But I I watched more uh, of it. But one of my questions for Nick DeToro, and and I'm just going to be straight up. I know this is not politically correct. But theoretically, if I was going to bang... One of the Boston Red Sox in the ass. Not not in a pleasurable way, like in, a, in an act of aggression. Theoretically, this is just theoretically. I want to know which one he would suggest I bang in the ass. Because uh, I, I that pitcher, Kimbrell, who, who stands there like in his like, I bet you some coach when he was younger say, oh, you scare him. You stand there. He stands there like a, like he does like, like some kind of monkey pose before he throws. He's got his fucking beard. Uh, David Price, he's on my hit list. And then, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Duke, John, Jack, I don't know, Duke Pierce, who was, uh, oh, he's a big dream of always playing for the Red Sox. I feel like he's the guy that if, theoretically, I was going to bang in the ass in an act of aggression, he he would be the guy. But I want to ask Nick Totoro his suggestion. I can't stand those fucks. I can't stand their fans. I don't even have any I don't even have any skin in the game. I just they make they make me sick. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Bill fucking Simmons and Bill Burr, fucking Donnie, Marky, Dougie, Tommy Wahlberg, all of them. Those motherfuckers, they've won so many championships and Five Super Bowls, now four World Series. I liked it when they had nothing. They they had nothing for so long. Now they had NBA titles, Stanley Cups. Miserable. Miserable. That fucking Bill Burr. I got to get that fucking guy on this podcast. He thinks he's so cool. The Boston fans think they're so fucking cool. My question, I'll ask Bill Burr. If, if, if you were going to suggest me fucking... One Boston Red Sox in the seat. Who would it be, Bill Burr? I I, I got to track him down and, and ask him. Because I, I have to say, me and Nick Totoro, we're biased. But Bill Burr would be able to give me a straight answer on who he, he would suggest, uh, which one I, I would have my way with. Is that weird? This is not real. This is theoretically. It's not. It's not. It's not reality. I'm just saying, like, if, if I was going to give a Boston Red Sox the Wonder Bread bag and olive oil treatment, does that make sense? That makes sense to, to the fans of this podcast. Which one would it be? That one guy, Pierce, is, oh, it's a lifelong dream to play for a Red Sox. And fuck you, man. Fuck you. I am Rappaport Podcast. I had to go uh, to Beverly Hills, deep, deep, deep in the heart of Beverly Hills, because sometimes... You know, Beverly Hills, amongst other things, is, is, a, is a shopping area. They got all the stores. I mean, all the fancy ones. Any, any kind of brand name store with Levi's, uh, you know, sneakers. Of course, they got all the Gucci, the Prada. Um, 
I needed a bag. So I, I've had this the same carry-on bag for like, I'd say, shit, close to 12 years. My carry-on bag with my little, you know, side bag thing. And uh, it broke my last trip. Finally broke. Um, so I went back to the place that I bought it and they don't have the bag and then they have these other bags, the smaller bags, whatever. But I'm very particular because when you, when you travel, you need, you know, you could take it for granted. But I'm the type of person, especially uh, when I get in a groove of traveling a lot, I like, I like the bag to, to be able to fit everything I want. But it's not just the clothes. It's, it's like the little side compartments. You want the bag to fit, you know, with my chargers and plugs, right? And then I have my, my, uh, my personal uh, uh, odor, uh, uh, my sanitary uh, sprays. So for the people around me, this is no bullshit. I keep my little mini thing of Lysol and my mini thing of the air freshener. I have my gum. I have my nail clipper, my nail filer, my lip stuff. And then, and then I keep Band-Aids because uh, uh, you never know what the fuck could happen on a plane. You might stub your toe. You need a Band-Aid. I got my wipes uh, to wipe my hands. This is just, this is me. Some people say, oh, you're neurotic. You're crazy. That's me. I like to travel with certain things in case things go wrong or if you're on the fucking tarmac delayed. And I like to be able to fit it all in the compartments in the bag. And I had this bag for a long time. And I would just keep my little, my little travel uh, stuff in the bag. Well, a change has come. So I had to go replace the bag. So I went back to the original bag place. They didn't have it. I was in there literally dealing with a, a very sweet, very, very helpful, very earnest um, but older woman, she was, had to be 80 years old. She could have been 85 like my father. Uh, I don't know if she owned the joint or whatever. She was helping me out. And I said, you're so sweet. You're so helpful. She was, you know, oh, I get it. I'm like, you're going to fucking keel over. I mean, she must've weighed 105 pounds. I wind up getting a bag there, but I feel like I had buyer's remorse or I might've bought it out of guilt because she was so fucking old. I didn't like the bag. So today I went uh, bag shopping in Beverly Hills um, to get another bag before I return the other bag, whatever. So I had to go to Beverly Hills and I'm in there and I went to this store and that store and they, uh, my friend, Jennifer Jason Lee, one of the stars of Atypical, I, I was talking to her and I said, I got to get bags. She said, well, try this one place in Beverly Hills and, and then try Prada. It's a, it's a little bit more expensive, but they have good bags. I go, fucking Prada. She goes, yeah, no, I'm telling you, they got good bags. you might spend a couple of hundred dollars I said, fuck it. You know, it's important. If it's reasonable and the bag works and it's a couple of hundred dollars more, it's that important to me. I'm like, fucking proud. I go in there. They're looking at me like I'm crazy. I got on my, my butter soft, uh, uh, all gray t-shirt and shorts. I look crazy. I'm in Beverly Hills with a baseball hat, a short sleeve t-shirt and, sh and shorts. I walk in there. They know that I'm not, the, I'm not supposed to be in there. Where's the bag place? Oh, it's on the third floor. This is in Beverly Hills, like the shit you see on TV. And they just so happened to have their, their, their biggest carry-on bag. I said, oh, this is coincidence. I'm looking for a carry-on bag. I said, oh, well, this is this, that, and third. They're telling me, oh, it's Prada and it's leather. And I go, oh, okay, well, how much is it? This is a real story. This motherfucker told me $50,000 for a Prada bag. A carry-on bag. And he goes, well, it's leather and it's crocodile and all that. And he goes, and I go, let me ask you something. I go, people come in here and buy $50,000 bags. He goes, yeah, you know, this is Prada. He's a fucking accent. I don't know if he was Greek or Israeli or Turkish. I don't know. 
I said, well, listen, I'm going to be honest. I, I would like to see the bag just to see it, but I'm, I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't want a crocodile bag. I'm not spending 50K on, on anything, any fucking thing. Um, they show me the bag, and then they, they, this, it's just a regular bag, but with crocodile skin. They go, but, you know, it has a protector on it. So, so when you're using it, you know, it won't get dinged up. I said, what's the point of spending $50,000 on a bag if, if, if when you use it outside, you have like a protector on it? So it looks like just a piece of shit bag. Well, then you spend $50,000. I go, but what's the point? Anyway, I didn't buy the $50,000 bag. I went to this Tumi store, you know, Tumi, T-U-M-I. And I got myself a nice little carry-on bag. And they embroidered it with my, my initials on it. I wanted stick man. But they can only put four. Uh, so I just, you know, did my initials, MDR. Um, and that didn't cost me that much. But now I have to go back to the old lady and return this other bag, which I feel guilty of. So I'm going to bring the young shooter to do it because I don't want to get into a whole conversation with Grandmama. I'll bring Dean Collins in there and be like, oh, my father has buyer's remorse. He's crazy. Uh, he needs to return the bag. You know, keep it, uh, keep it simple. Aside from going to New York this weekend for... Uh, few different things at UFC 230. Uh, I spoke out of turn because um, I think on two podcasts ago, I said that I am playing a Baba Booey, a Gorilla Face Gary uh, in Stern Show, and I wasn't playing him. I played actually Scott Salem and beat his fucking ass uh, this past week and Scott the Bowler from the Stern Show. This week, this fucking week, all gorilla, everything. It's fucked up that the Stern Show schedule made me wait nine weeks to have my way with horse tooth, buck tooth, gorilla mouth Gary. But the the time has finally come. I play him in fantasy football, and I I, I am just asking, please, please, uh, send me all the well wishes. Because I'll be in New York. I'm sure at some point while I'm in New York, I will go up to the Stern Show and do the wrap-up show. And I can't face this monkey one more time without beating him. I've had good luck. I've had good luck recently. But, you know, to, to, to be across the mics from him at the Stern Show wrap-up uh, uh, show and having lost to him with the glimmer in those gorilla eyes and seeing, like, the, the, the spittle on his mustache and goatee. He still has a goatee. Um, I need to beat him. Um, I've been kicking ass in fantasy football. I hope you guys have been kicking ass in fantasy football. Um, we, we're doing these things. Our picks are ridiculous. They're ridiculously good. And, and we're heading into week nine of the NFL season. Week nine of NFL which is crazy, but please send me Gorilla good luck uh, as we head into uh, this weekend because I, I, I want to take him down. I want to I chop him at the fucking knees, you know, and, and then I want to, like, throw things at him. I don't know what, you know, garbage, you know, dirt, rocks. I don't want to hurt him, but I just want to throw things at him after I beat him. I am Rappaport Podcast. This was a story um, that I forgot to talk about. It happened a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, and I want everybody to be on lookout because I have a feeling this might be some sort of con job. This happened in Arizona. A six-year-old boy uh, had his birthday party at like a Chuck E. Cheese or some birthday bowling place. A six-year-old boy um, in Arizona and and nobody showed up to his birthday. Nobody. It was at Legoland or some shit like this. Not one friend showed up to his birthday party. And, um, you know, it, the story went viral, as everything does. Remember last year, that, that kid, that white trash kid, who was like, people are always bullying me. I can't remember his name. It was a national story. We talked about it a bunch on the podcast. And his mom was like, why does everybody bully you? And he's like, I don't know why they bully me. And, like, everybody invited him everywhere. And, like, you know, they invited him to, like, you know, movie premieres and basketball games. And then they found out, oh, this is, this is fake. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a hoax. And the parents were white supremacists and all this shit. I have a feeling this could be the same thing. Um, because the story went viral. He got invited to uh, Phoenix Suns basketball game. He sat courtside, yada, yada, yada. And I, I have to say, either the parents are complete fucking asshole motherfuckers that no other parent wanted their kid to be around this little Kid whose six year old birth, whose six uh, six birthday it was, or the kid is an asshole, or this is a con, because I don't know if you've had kids, you got cousins or stuff like that. When there's a party, there's pizza and candy. It's not hard to get them to show up for a party. So either the parents of this six year old are fucks, the six year old himself is a fuck, and listen, that's a life lesson. Uh, little Charlie, nobody wanted to show up to your sixth birthday because you're a little prick. And then, then we should use this as a learning experience. Maybe between now and your seventh birthday, you'll improve on your behavior. Now, I don't know what it is. It's either the little boy's a fuck, the parents are a fucks, or this was a total con job. Um, but I want to get to the bottom of this story. And anybody out there who could help me do it, um, the, the family's uh, last name is uh, Manzi. Mazzini, M-A-Z-Z-I-N-I. I smell I smell something fishy here. Uh, because little kids, little boys and girls, ice cream, candy, free pizza at Legoland or Disneyland, wherever the fuck this was, bowling. You, it's not hard to get people to show up to these kinds of parties. But for some reason, no one showed up for little Teddy's birthday. And he might be an asshole. But this could be a learning experience for you, Teddy. I am Rappaport Podcast. Yeah, Nick Totoro is back on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Um, I got to tell you, and I don't use this word uh, loosely, a lot of people have been calling for you to come back on the show. Uh, you know why. Uh, you know I do not know baseball. I leaned on you, Nick, to help me with my pain, which is nowhere near your baseball pain. But I, I asked you. I, I, I asked you. I said, Nick. Will the Houston Astros knock those red-faced Boston fucks down? And you said, yes, they will, <laughs> they will ruin them. And, and that didn't happen. And lo and behold, they, they won the World Series. Do you, first, first, before I get into some detailed questions, do you want to answer for yourself right now? Because I, not only me did you let down, Nick, and we're friends 20-something years now. There's a lot of people that were like, you gave them hope. And, and we, we have nothing but our dicks 
in our hand right now. So I'll let you speak for, for yourself, Nick. To start with, I really felt in my heart that the Astros were the team this year. And they went all the way there last year. They were a complete team in my book. They were a force to be reckoned with. But sometimes, you know, you let your hatred get in the way hmm. and your prejudice get in the way of things. And the Red Sox, you know, were a grinding blue-collar team with a rookie manager that was on that Astro staff, this guy Alex Cora, who managed his fucking ass off, by the way, who really was on top of every pitch, every moment. And it's tough to repeat. It's tough to repeat. Now, you can predict sports all you want. That's why the experts are all full of shit. Hmm. And maybe I, you know, like I said, maybe I went with my, my anger. Maybe I didn't give the Red Sox their due. And they proved me wrong. They proved a lot of people wrong. But the Astros were a dynamite team. But the Red Sox outplayed them. The Red Sox had a lot of guys that, when the Yankees were winning in the 90s, those kind of players, guys that, not always the stars, guys like Steve Pierce, guys like Brock Holt, guys that are dirt bombers. I call them dirt bomb players because they're guys that have paid their dues. And that's what it takes to get a fucking championship. you got to get down and dirty. And dirty players. And it's not always the, the stars. Mookie Betts hardly did shit. J.D. Martinez did his thing. But it's, there's a lot to it. And listen, I was wrong. I don't know it all, but I know plenty. But it's hard to predict sports sometimes. And, you know, listen, you got to tip your cap. They beat the Yankees. The Yankees were a flawed team. The Astros, I thought, were probably a better team. And they took it to them. And that's why, in a short sample size, you know, anything can happen. It was their year. Everything they did went their way. The Dodgers were a soft team. The Dodgers backed their way into the into the playoffs, my friend. They had to win an extra game just to get in the playoffs. The National League is very flawed. The American League, I think the Yankees or the Astros could have beat any team in the National League. But listen, the, Do the Red Sox, they did what they had to do. They made me eat shit. I ate shit, but I'll be back. They got four championships in this millennium. Whatever happened, A-Rod broke the curse. Something happened. They're free. They're very free. Did they, but let me ask you a question, Nick. Did, let me ask you a question. Didn't you like it better when they weren't free? Or didn't you like it better when we stomped their fucking assholes? I like that Absolutely. better. That's just me. Me too. No, no, I'm with you. It was way more interesting when they were the lovable losers. It was way more interesting when Babe Ruth had the curse on them. And now that they're the team of the millennium, now they've won four championships. It's not as interesting. It's not as interesting. And it's not even that fascinating to me. So fuck them. They got a couple of championships now, four championships. And they're singing New York, New York, because poor Aaron Judge had a little fun with them. Now they want to sing. Now they want to sing New York, New York. And they're still going on about the Yankees suck. You beat the Yankees. Shut the fuck up. You beat the Yankees. You know, get over it, motherfucker. Get over it. They're still on the Yankees. You know why? Because the Yankees are the big dick. And they'll never be the fucking Yankees. Them in their fourth championship in their beautiful ballpark and their hardcore fans, yeah, give it to them. For fuck them. They got a few championships. So what? They're still going to be jealous of the Yankees, Mikey. In their sleep, they're thinking about the Yankees. You know why? Because they can never be the Yankees. Fuck the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a bastard child of New York anyway. Just remember, the Giants and the Dodgers had an affair and the bastard child was the Mets. So the Dodgers are a watered-down fucking version anyway. 
But anyway, getting back to the Red Sox, I'm with you. Now that they've won, they're not as interesting. They go away. Go the fuck away. They got their championship. But the Yankees, listen, it is what it is. They won. I give it to them. But, you know, they're still the Red Sox. They're still going to be that kind of bean town shanty, whatever. I don't even want to get into it. But, listen, they had a good team. They had a complete team. And that's what it takes to win. But something will happen again. And they will be, like, put down. I hope so. I hope that they – because they were more interesting. Take care, buddy. They were more interesting. You're right, when they were losing. You know, it's like the Cubs. The Cubs got off the head of goat. They broke the curse of the Billy Goat. And now the Cubs – now the Cubs are back to being the Cubs. Somehow the Red Sox had to be put back in their place. But now they think who the fuck they are. They got a few championships. They're happy. You know, look at the Patriots. No one cares because the Patriots play somewhere out in Foxborough. Boston is a Red Sox town. You got to remember that. Red Sox and the Celtics. But listen, you know, they're still going to be the little cousin to New York, to the Yankees. They'll always, New York is New York. You know that. We're not from fucking Boston. I respect those guys, but fuck them. They're still Boston. They're not New York. They're not New York. Let me, let me ask you two questions. I know, I know baseball is, is a rough and tumble thing for you. Like, I, I think you take baseball more seriously then definitely, I mean, I take certain winning, certain losing, certain sports hard. But as we said the last time you were here, you, you're on another planet with, with your baseball and with your Yankees, specifically. This is a very yeah. specific question. What's right. worse, Nick Turturro? What is worse for you? The Yankees losing or the Red Sox winning? Do you understand? Like, what is harder for you to swallow? The Yankees losing to the Red Sox or inevitably the Red Sox winning the World Series. Does that make sense? Sort of. I understand what you're, you're, you're saying. To me, I don't give a shit they won. Mm. I don't want to lose to them. Okay? So it's, so it's, I don't the, it's, lose it's to them. the Yankees losing. Yes. After that, I shot my load, baby. I shot my load. I shot my wad. It's over. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I knew the Dodgers were soft. I, it's all over. Because you remember, it's all about the Yankees for me. And I got listen, you. When the Yankees lose, my life stops. And I can sit back, and I can be objective. And I knew they were going to beat the Dodgers. You know, and I probably knew in my heart they were going to beat the Astros. But I said, fuck them. Let me see if I can just put a little whammy on them. But it was their year. But listen, losing when I lose, that's it. It's over. It's all over for me. Then I sit back and I have a little fun with it. But I can tip my cap to them. But losing to them is rough. Losing to them is a hard pill, pill to swallow. But history, my friend. Mikey, just remember, history is on our side. They got four fucking championships. We got 27. 27. So they're nowhere no near us. But we got to turn the tide. We got to do something to put these people back in their place. Now they got Big Poppy. Now they're like, they think they're America's team. No, you you're know? not they America's think- team. We don't know. The rest of the country doesn't like these fucks. No, they don't. That's, they that's don't like real. Them. Yeah, no, they they will never like them. They will never like them, and they'll always be the Boston Red Sox, and they're singing Yankees suck, and now they're singing New York, New York. Get stop, get over it. You fucking you won, you won a couple of things, but believe me, history will 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 turn it around, and history will put the Red Sox back in their place sooner or later. But they've gotten a little out of hand, and now you know they feel like you know we're the fucking big dog in town. But trust me. It will turn around again, and they will go back to being those fucking Red Sox that they've always been. 
I'm not worried about it. Let them have a couple of championships. You know, it bothers me a little bit. It does bother me a lot, but, you know, I'm also a good loser. All right. And I can say, hey, they, they deserved it. They earned it. All right, enough is enough. All right, stop singing New York, New York. Right, stop singing that. You, you, you stop singing stop that singing fucking it. song. Yeah, get back to your fucking Sweet Caroline. Why don't right? you get, get your own New- song? Why don't you get your yeah, own theme song? they got song? their song, Mikey. They got their song. But they're hung up on the Yankees. They're hung up on New York. They can't ever fucking get by it. They can't get past Bucky Dent. They can't get past a lot of shit. No, and they, they never will. It. They never will. Now, now, you look at them. Now, now, let me ask you. Let me ask you my second question. This is a final question. Now, this is a little, a little bit more morose. But you know, I watched the World Series. You know, I, I invested in the Dodgers. Um, but this is a question I have, and I want you to help me sort it out because I got my eye on three guys. If I was to drag one of these fucking Boston Red Sox in in Fenway, drag them out to uh, the mound, or maybe we do it private. We do it like in the clubhouse or in in the uh, the bullpen. If I was to drag one of these fucks uh, into a private place and, and have my way with, with one, one, one player sexually, uh, but not in, not in a way that they're having a good time, uh, not anything totally inappropriate, but just roughhouse a little bit. Like, you know, I'm going to yeah. bang one of these guys in the ass. Now, you you're bang very- them hard. <laughs> you bang them hard. I got your guy. I got your guy that you want to bang him really hard. You want a name? Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Are you looking for a name? <laughs> Are you looking for a name? You want the number one? I want the number one guy that I'm going to have my way with. That you want to have your way with? Yes. All right. Joe Kelly, the bartender. That's what I mean. That motherfucker, Joe Kelly, the bartender. Okay. That's the number one in my life that you want to bang. What, what, he's what? just got that. Because he's got that fucking Red Sox face. He's got that Red Sox look. Him or the other guy like Brock Holt as another guy that was born a Red Sox. You got to remember, when these people came out of the womb, they were Red Sox. They were born Red Sox. They look like Red Sox. They feel like Red Sox. There are some people that when they come out on the earth, they got a fucking Red Sox jersey on them. Right. Joe Kelly, Brock Holt, these are Red Sox in their core. Like you go back, Carlton Fisk. That's a Red Sox yes. in his fucking heart. Yes. Even Wade Boggs, he played for us. Wade Boggs is a Red Sox in his fucking in his, on his ass. Yeah. These people, that's what they are. That's why I don't want those people. Me neither. I don't neither. want those people near me. Yeah. I don't want them near me. You know what I mean? But you know, let them have their day. Listen, they're always going to still be sucking second rate. Just remember that. They're always going to be second rate. We're from New York, Mike. You know what I mean? We got we got the Yankees. We got history. We got a lot on our side. All right, the Knicks have sucked for years, but listen, we're still we're still New York. We're still New York, Mike. We're still New York, and they're still thinking about us. So what does that tell you? That tells you that they, you know, you you know what I mean. You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. These fucking people. You know, let them have their day in the sun. Whatever. Sooner or later, order will be restored, and they'll be put put back to where they belong. (laughs) Being that fucking team. In Beantown, you know what I mean? They're gonna, you know, it, it, I'm not worried about it. Listen, I can take it. They're not gonna, they're not gonna rule the next fifty years. But no. baseball, you know, now you got, you got a lot of shit going on. You got all these nerds running baseball, and you got all these analytics, and you know. But they made a couple of good moves. They had a good hire. This guy Alex Cora, I'll give him his credit. Isn't he from he's New York from, though? Who Cora? Yeah. No, he's Puerto Rican. He's from Caguas, Puerto Rico, and uh, he, he's a. Good manager. He's a good manager. He, 
He manages from his gut. He put starting pitches. He put them in the bullpen. He brought guys out of the bullpen. He did things from his gut. And I have to say, you know, he wasn't so, you know, mechanical. He didn't listen to all the analysts. He didn't listen to all these GMs that kind of like try to run the show. And uh, he managed from, you know, with some balls. And I give him credit. You know, the Red Sox, they made a good hire. This guy was a fucking, this guy really knew what he was doing. I saw him going head to head with other guys. And he was on every pitch. And he was going from his gut. And you got to watch the game, man. you got to watch the game with your eyeballs. In the playoffs, in the postseason, it's different than the regular season. And the Red Sox, they had a good combination. Chris Sale, the crazy white guy, you see him screaming. Yeah. You see him screaming in the dugout. Yeah. You like shit like that. You need guys like that. You need guys that get fucking. Because the Red Sox, you know, they weren't the, the greatest team I ever saw. But the Dodgers were a soft team. Listen, the Yankees were a fucking hit away from going to a fifth game. So, you know, they didn't blow me away. But, listen, they deserved it. Overall, they had the most complete team, and they played the best ball when it counted. So right. don't worry about it. It's, it's, right. it's not It's not going to fucking turn history upside down. All right. It's their fourth championship. You know what I mean? But uh, as far as banging somebody, <laughs> yeah, Joe Kelly, he's right up there with uh, Brock Holt. All right. Like I told you, there are certain guys. Pedroia is another one who looks like a, he looks like a, uh, one of those rodents. Forget that rodent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. We got our guy. We got it sorted right. out. Uh, you got uh, it. Next time, next time I'm coming out there, we do the podcast face-to-face. We eat some Nikki Red Let's sauce. Let's do it face-to-face. Let's do it face-to-face. And maybe, you know, next year we'll do one right right watching a game. This oh, way I yeah. Can People need I to can, see. They need to see I what you're all about. I can pitch by pitch. I can let you know from the inside out. What the fuck is going to happen with these people? All right. What I would like to do is do one in Fenway on the monster. Right in the middle of the fucking thick of those people. I yeah. would love to do one right on the monster. I'd be seats up on the green monster. That would be incredible. Yeah, we do that. We do that. Okay, Mikey. All right, Nick. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for the insight and the details and the breakdown of, of I got my guy, Joe Kelly. And uh, uh, you'll be hearing about how that's going to play itself out, Nick. <laughs> okay. All right, brother. All right. Take care. Sean Merriman, lights out Merriman, played in the NFL, all pro, Chargers, the Bills, so many NFL stories, so much insight on the NFL, plus he's fighting in a bare knuckle fight, not for money, on November 9th, he is fighting in a bare knuckle heavyweight brawl, November 9th, Rise of the Titans, he's coming up next on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let's get down with Lights Out Merriman, Sean Merriman. Sean Merriman, Sean Lights Out Merriman, who is going to be fighting on the headline, Bare Knuckle Fight, Bare Knuckle Fighting's Federation inaugural PPV pay-per-view Rise of the Titans, November 9th. You're headlining. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this. I'm not counting your pocket. You made money as a football player. Yeah. You make money uh, speaking about sports. Right. You make money from your Lights Out brand. Yeah. The question that I'm asking, you're not hard up for money. No. You got money. Yeah. So there's boxing. There's MMA. Why the fuck bare knuckle? 
Well, why not like boxing gloves? Uh, why not some sort of pad? So, so this is the way I train. You know, when we're training, we got we got gloves on. So, and then I'll trim down the gloves, and then I'll do you know just bare knuckle conditioning, right? Like cement walks, and you know punching some wood and stuff like that. Just really conditioning the knuckles. But to me, like you know, I, I was gonna take a fight no matter what, right? When I get when I retired, I think the first, you, you've been talking about yeah, this yeah, yeah for, for a couple of years now. Um, the first the first time it came up. Uh, it was about two and a half, three years ago um, when I was going to possibly fight with Bellator. Right. Uh, so I was talking to Scott Coker and, you know, the whole group, Rich and everybody over there. And it was like, all right, well, let's let's do it. So what I did was I kind of became like a um, like an ambassador for them almost in a way. Uh, anyway, that it, they just really never came to the table. So that didn't happen. Uh, so my manager had, you know, the following year said, you know what, WBKFF. Bare Knuckle Fighting Federation, you know, would you still want to fight? I said, hell yeah. You know, and, and it, even though it sounds a, a little bit more brutal, and it, and it is, the learning curve is a lot different, man, And when you're going in, because it's boxing rules. Okay. It's, it's boxing rules. So no knees, no take to the ground, no kicks or anything like that, no so grappling. So it's, it's all stand-up. It's all stand-up. Okay, so it, it's essentially boxing with no gloves. Right, right. You're, just, you're really just taping the wrist. And I, I think elbows, I, no elbows. Okay, so it's all fists. It's all fists. It's all fists. So um, for me and my background, is I just, didn't know that. Yeah. So me and my background, where I come from, for one, this this is hardly my first bare knuckle fight. I mean, PG, I grew up in PG County, Maryland, um, Capitol Heights, Forestville, District Heights, um, and went to school in Upper Marlboro. And uh, so fighting was kind of a way of life for us a little bit in a way. We that's how we kind of got down from where I was. Or how we settle disputes, whether it's neighborhood or whether it's going against another neighborhood or whatever it is. Um, so me, you know, this was the the fastest learning curve that I can get into just really the the fighting arena in general. Why do you want to fight? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, injuries, you had a, a great career, injuries, you suffer from yeah. injuries. But but that neat, like, it's not like, oh, well, I'm going to play flag football or NBA dudes. Yo, we're going to play big three. It's like, you know, like there's the flag football league or coaching. Or, I mean, right. fighting is like, it's different. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, it's different um, need. Yeah, it's, a, it's a whole different animal. And the reason why I say that is because, um, you know, there are a bunch of similarity, similarities from football, from where I came from, the background, being disciplined, being able to push yourself, having that mental mindset, like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get it in, right? I'm going to go after it. So that part you can take from football to fighting. The, the difference is you got some of these guys, um, especially who I train with, has been fighting since they were you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, sometimes even younger. So they're more skilled. Um, so if anything, that's, that's where you know, I, have to, well, I had to learn how to pick it up. But I was I was one of the first uh, football guys that started to train with, over with Jay Glazer. This is like back in two thousand six, right? So when I when I first which means what like Jay Glazer's like he heard it, explain his it, training. It was, so it was more of uh, MMA. So when right. I when I first started and while you were playing football, while I was playing football, so I was doing it during the off season because I literally just wanted to get my hand eye coordination. I was a pass rusher, so being violent with your hands and leverage and being able to open your hips and turn. So I, I stamina. Um, I really just wanted to get better doing and changing my workout for football. Um, and this is, you know, I was around like Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, um, or Tyron Woodley when he first, when he first, you know, got hot and got in the mix, just like back in 2006, 2007, while I was training with a lot of these guys during the offseason. Um, I started to have more of like a, a passion for it, man, where I would just, it ate me alive to not get better. So I started to work and work and work and get better. 
Um, and I always knew at some point in time I I was gonna take a fight. I just didn't know how it was gonna happen. You knew you you knew that was something yeah. you were interested in. Yeah. So going into it now, because I've been around you, I've been around you at the shows and stuff like yeah. that. Like I could tell right now, like you're not as like like I could tell you're getting ready to fight in a couple of weeks. Like I could just tell, and I don't even know you that good. Yeah. But just a little bit of been around you, I'm like. You you have more of an edge on you right now. Yeah, yeah. My I'm not gonna lie, man. My my mentality has definitely changed over the last couple of months because fight is a whole different beast, right? So, um, you know, when when people hear about me fighting, they say, "Oh, man, you trying to fight?" Like, no, fuck you. When you fight, you go, you make your decision that you make that your life, right? And that's it, you know. So now, you know, I'm training five days a week, two to three hours a day, uh, sometimes twice, depending on if I need to go and work on certain things, but. Your mentality switches because you you get in the zone, <clears throat> just like I got in the zone on Saturday for them four, on Sunday for them four quarters. Right, you 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 are a motherfucker. You you want to go out there and rip everything open, right? And and now with me, it's it's I'm behind the curve and some technique stuff, and I need a lot of work. Um, and and this was probably the fastest learning curve that I can go and do and still go out and have, put myself in the best opportunity to win. So walk me through, because um, obviously you know you're you're a high class athlete as a football player. You're training at a high level now. I, I'm a no class athlete, Sean. Um, walk uh, me through your, your day of training now. Like, what would be the most the hardest day? Like, walk me through like what time you wake up and until the yeah. end of the day. Um, I wake up around like six thirty, six thirty, seven o'clock. I try to sleep in just a little. If I sleep in at seven o'clock, that's a that's a come up, right? right. Um, That's and, like afternoon shit, right? Yeah, and uh, depending on the fight, because I'm over at ESPN on on uh, Fridays, you know, working with uh, uh, Coast to Coast yep. with Kerry, um, and also Saturdays on you know, some days with uh, ABC with Rob Fukuzaki and Ashley Brewer for the Chargers local right. college football. Um, so if I'm if I'm not shooting on the day, I, I normally wake up seven o'clock and I'll train from nine to twelve. And what what is that training? So so of? the training, um, I'll go over to Unbreakable. I work you know work over there Unbreakable, um, or. Justin Fortune, who's uh, who's Manny Pacquiao's guy over at, at Fortune Boxing. Okay. Um, so I'll, some, some days I go hit double days, but 9 and 12 is normally the time where I go get my work in. About two hours of either weights and sparring or weights and uh, you know pad work and then an hour of recovery. Which is what? Which is uh, you know the, the Normatex, which you, you know, the legs, compression. And, the thing and where suit. you go like the little space yeah, suit? Yeah. So I, I, I use those a lot. The cryo, any type of work I need, body work, massages. Um, I do a lot of ART. I don't know if you ever heard of ART work. What is that? Uh, active release treatment. It's basically like a pinpoint gotcha. you know, work. So I, I get a lot of... Um, I'm 34, man. I'm not like 24 you're when not I was that, playing. You're, not, you're, you're young, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but, you know, and you, when you're starting something, you're, you're still considered age, uh, age a little bit in this sport. Right. You know? Of course. Of course. You know, so I'm not, I'm not 24 starting or whatever. Um, so the recovery is more than more important than anything. So right. whether it's not, so nine to twelve, um, and normally uh, you know you mentioned lights out. Uh, you know lights out uh, is Tilly's our biggest partner right now with with the apparel. So um, yeah, I'll go you know either my warehouse, office, or whatever. I spend like three four hours just checking up on that. Now even now, like, oh yeah yeah even now. Does it help you sort of for like take a break like a, like does it help you get the lights out on training? Yeah no no for real because one of the biggest things I noticed that. Those three hours that I spend in the gym, you really switch your mindset to to become very animalistic in a way a little bit. You know, where you're able to, as soon as you walk out, you become a different person. I go, I can go to set. It helps you it, chill. It does help you. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure I, I think I think my coaches are a lot cheaper than therapy. You know what I'm saying? I <laughs> so, got you. you know, for me, it, it, it really does really do, does help me um, you know, release a lot and I feel a lot different and walk out and um 
So I'm normally done about seven thirty, eight o'clock a day. At that, at that point, I'm you know I go home and, and I love crime shows and stuff, man. Like First Forty Eight, that live PD snapped. Um, Law and Order, special SVU. So I, any any one of those like crime shows, I get me like an hour TV at the end of the day, and I go to bed. I'm in the bed by nine thirty, ten o'clock, and I do that five days a week. And what fight or uh, what weight are you fighting at when you fight on the night? Uh, right now, about two sixty eight. So right now you're two sixty. Right now I'm two sixty eight. Okay. Um, and is it heavy, considered heavyweight? Yes, heavyweight. Um, and, and the guy I'm fighting is Mike Bork. Okay. He's uh, you know, you know, a little bit older guy. Okay. Um, former king of the cage. He knocked out Ken Shamrock, some guys. Heavy, heavy hands. Okay. Um, and uh, so they wanted me to fight a veteran. They wanted me to, you know, they didn't want me to have an amateur or somebody just being put on. They wanted me to have a, a real fight. So Paul Tyler, who was um, the head of over there at BKFF, they was like, man, we want to give you, we'll make sure you go and see a vet the first time out so you can get some experience and then we'll see how I feel after this. Because the fight game is different, man. Like, you're walking out in football, you walk out to 70,000 people, but you got on a helmet. There's 10 other guys on offense and defense other than yourself. And you make a mistake, you can be like, hey, man, that guy over there missed a block. You know, what? Right, there's, there's 17, there's... A hundred other plays. Right. There's a hundred other plays. And there's and there's and there's ten other men. Right, right. So it's a team sport. It's a team sport. With this, um, you know, it's all on you. It's all on your training and you miss a block, you miss a block. You miss a block, right, exactly. And now you gotta come in because it's in a very individual sport, which for me, man, I, I, I love, to be honest. Um, don't get me wrong, playing for the organization, playing on a team sport, you you're always promoting the team. You're gotcha. always promoting your teammates. You know, we lost. We won or whatever it is, and this is like it's on you. So um, that's that's kind of, I'm having fun with that right now. Wow, man, I can't wait to see you out there, man. I cannot yeah. wait to see you out there. That's gonna be fucking nuts. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we get into football, more with fighting. Obviously, I'm assuming you saw the fight Saturday yeah. night, and, and I'm sure you probably talked about it on air. So now that we're a few days away, what what is your takeaway of of everything? First of all. Uh, the, the the way that the night was so crazy because my guy Derek Lewis, that was nuts. That was like a Rocky movie. Oh yeah, no doubt. He and he's he's one of the most entertaining guys, man. Like, you know, I, I watched him a little bit and and I knew who he was, but I wasn't like paying attention to his IG and some of the stuff he said. But what got me to follow him on IG was what he said post. Right. So I'm like, this this dude got to be doing something like hilarious on his IG. I followed him and it was all like, it, everything was classic. Um, and what about the, 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 first of all, the Conor Khabib fight, the actual fight. Yeah. What did you, what did you think was going to happen? I'm going to be, I'm going to brag, Sean. I predicted on record, on wax, fourth round choke out by Khabib. Now I didn't bet that. Yeah. It's easy to talk shit and not bet. Right, right. But so what, what did you think was going to happen and what was your takeaway of just the fight? The, the same. The same. Did um, you really? Yeah, I, I thought that, and I still do think that Khabib is the all-around better fighter because right. he has grappling and it would, you know, getting you on the ground. <clears throat> um, and that if you know, you know, Connor in the past, his win and his uh, stamina has been questioned before. It's not the first time that's happened. So I always knew that if Connor didn't knock him out within those first two rounds or hurt him at least standing up, that he was going to be in trouble. And once Khabib, Khabib started trading punches with him, that's when I really knew. That Connor was, you know, you know, in, in an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, because he is. He's just he's just a a, a class wrestler. He gets you on the ground, and he he's just more experienced. But when he started walking towards him, and he caught him with that right, me too. It was kind of like, I'm going to your. I'm comfortable with what you do best, right? And you're definitely not comfortable with what I do best. 
what what did you take away from the whole uh, the, the the fucking melee? Because that was that was. I mean, listen, you you've been called every single thing when you yeah. played. Whether you're uh, playing with the Bills, with the I mean, you got helmets on. It's different. What did you think of that? And and what, my man Ron Artest, Metal World Peace, he's sitting at home probably minding his business, and all of a sudden he's trending on Twitter. Like, right? What did I do? Because because uh, Metal World Peace pulled one of those moves back right, in the day, right? Uh, with him and Steven Jackson, but. Um, you know, I'm. It's it's, and I don't know if you ever heard the the what Connor said during the fight. It's it's just business, right? Do you ever see was that, that clip? real? Yeah, because I, was that fake? I, I don't know if that was real or fake or whatever. But I, if it's real, I can understand what he was saying. You know, the reason why MMA and guys are getting paid. I'm not saying it the way they are. Just saying it's cousin Connor, but it's the ability to be able to promote a fight. Yes. Um, and I think more than enough kind of crosses those lines like when you're promoting the fight i think there's a couple things that should be off limits right the two things that he hit family and religion mm-hmm. say whatever you want to about me i don't care but my family they, they're not gonna be in a cage with me they got nothing to do with anything um and so when you do that then it's personal so as much as everybody's saying like oh he's dumb he should have never did that this man has such strong belief in his religion that it's almost like in in his culture, that's death. Right. You're speak. You're speaking. You're speaking about death. Right. You know, and and life and death because you know he's willing to die for his religion. Right. It's noted. You right. know. So when you do that, it's hard to control. He's that. not clicking on. He's, he's not like, clicking Yo, on. What are you talking? This ain't shit talk. Like this ain't. Yeah. This this is not. Prom- we're not promoting the fight anymore. We're. This is something I want to do something more. To you than just this fight, so I can't really put myself in his shoes and say that somebody, if I, my religion was as strong as his was, that I wouldn't be jumping over the cage too. Now, you got to look at Dana White. Dana White also has a hand in this whole thing too, because and I and I and I use this because the UFC and the NFL are very getting very very close as far as the the way the organization is structured. And what I mean by that is. The fines because of the money is getting involved now, right? That's why the NFL and all these fines and and Colin Kaepernick and all this stuff. The money is so big now from the sponsors, the the contracts that everything is frowned upon if it's hurting the shield or you hurting the brand of UFC. So w- once you start letting these guys keep kind of straddling the fence a little bit, and you let it go to the point where it's too far, you gotta. That's something on you too. It's not just on those guys. It's something on them, too, that he has to put his foot down and say, listen, God, you do that, and you're automatically getting a year suspension mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. So once that happens, which it should now, yes, which it should now, then— It got to be if you leave the cage to go kiss your, your baby. Right. If you leave the cage to kiss your wife, fine or suspension. Right. Don't leave the fucking cage exactly. until you're sort of— the, you're, you're Some sort of signal is given. Right. You can't climb over the fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's 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 just not good, you know. Because you think you could be there with your wife, you could be there with yourself, you could be in there, you could slip. Any anything could happen, and then the other people start thinking they're, uh, you know, John Rambo, and they're fighting. It could have been. I mean, luckily it wasn't worse. Yeah, it could have. It definitely could have been a lot worse, and not even just for Khabib, but all the people that's there. Right. right? You got some other people that has not have nothing to do with anything who also is sitting in that front row. Right. That might take a punch or might take a shove. Anything or, or can happen. Anything can happen. You know, you could be there on a date and, you, you know, someone could back up into your... I mean, it just takes anything. A, a big guy to back up into a woman when she's not paying attention and anything. So, fortunately, it wasn't out of hand. But it was an exciting night. I mean, and, and, and it was just fun. And, 
you know, I'm a Connor sort of like, I love to hate him because obviously I respect him. But, you know, it's like he, he wants that. You either like ride or die for Connor. And and he he he's one of the best in sports who's ever done. He stole Floyd's whole shit. No, but. no. I mean, he he talked himself into a hundred million dollar fight in boxing. Crazy. No, nobody else, no one else in the sport of MMA could have been able to do that. Not one person. It's crazy. Not one. So you have to, you know, as much as people hate him, which he doesn't mind that because it's it's almost a Floyd syndrome. Floyd. I mean, you know, at this point, people are coming to the fight just to see Floyd lose. Right. Because he's money made, he's showing flashing the money, he's doing this. So once you take on that persona, then you live up to it and you you make a living off of it because right. people will pay just to see you get your ass kicked. Um, all right, NFL. First of all, your nickname was Lights Out. In in the generation that we're in of football now, that nickname wouldn't even been acceptable. No. You can you you can't call somebody lights out as, right. as a fucking linebacker. Maybe they could lights out if they're like you know like a a, wide, a fast wide receiver. Like yo, he runs so fast he puts the lights out. Right. But did you ever think about like that? Wouldn't even be like it'd be like no, you can't call him that all, all the time. I even felt for for really um, short period of time that the NFL was really just staying away from me in general and promoting anything that I did. Um, it, it, because the lights out. I mean, it, it, the whole thing was knocking someone out, and then when you got all these uh, cases and CTE right. stuff coming up, you want to distance yourself as much as possible right. from anything involving lights out. That's it's also a big reason why why I'm fighting. You know, it, it really is because because just because of that. You know, um, I still I'm heavily involved with the charge. I still right. go to all the games and, and do a lot of work with them. Um, but overall, the NFL. You want to you you stepping away from anybody that was really put on the field to cause concussions, and that's crazy, man. Because it's like when you're playing, that was the the culture. That was the culture. Dick right. Buckus, that was the culture. Right. You know, Jack Lambert. You can't blame you guys for playing in that culture. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's the way I was taught. I was and, right. I was applauded, and you it know? was celebrated. It was celebrated. Right. You know, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But you know, and it changed quick and great. It's changed, but it shouldn't be like you should have like oh well, he was. It's like shit, man. Like you know, Mean Joe Green. The fuck that was. That was part of the game then. That right. was, you know, like Lawrence Taylor. Like that was part of the game. The violence of it, and good. It's changed. People. That's crazy to hear that they're they're sort of like, oh well, don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's still the case, but you know, you got to remember they they uh, when they start taking away segments of what the what the the hard hit was. Um, the, I know what you're talking about. Um, um, jacked up, right? right. You know, jacked up. I was that was my thing, <laughs> right? You know, I was looking to be on jacked up, right? I, you know, I was trying to do my thing on there. But when you when they take that away and they start doing all that, and really the probably the the best part of my game is the physicality of the way I played it and how I got after people. Um, you know, you when you got an organization or or companies just stepping away from yeah. it, yeah. It's like, man, that's how I, you know, and when I, and it's totally different. I walk you in celebrated the, me yeah, for yeah, yeah. And, and when I walk in the streets, where I'm going somewhere and I'm at an event or whatever, I mean, eighty five percent of people call me lights out before they call me Sean, right? You know, I hear lights out across like everywhere, so people loved it. But and I understand the NFL standpoint of just trying to, in a sense, stay away from anything that yeah, celebrated but you it. You can't, you can't like frown upon it. Like it's like, okay, this is the evolution of right. it. It can't be like people are like did something wrong. So it fe- it feels like it's sort of the guys are figuring out and the refs are figuring out the players. And you, you know, I'm gonna, and you've probably been asked this the entire season and some of last year. What like what what is your take on uh, uh, the NFL this season? You know, there's so many points. You have rookie quarterbacks, and God bless them. 
You know, like, the, but they're figuring it out. It seems like uh, Warren Sapp, uh, he, he calls it, he calls it the Autobahn up the middle, which right. was your fucking domain. Yep. So what is your whole take on the defense of handcuffs this, this season well, and, and started sort of last season? I, I think that a lot of people need to understand this, that the NFL, they're, they're very strategic in how they, they, they have a plan on how they want to move forward with business, right, on and off the field. Um, those couple hits that Clay Matthews had, was such bullshit, right? It was it was total it's total crock. But I'm looking at the game and saying, okay, they the NFL, they're not stupid. They've been they know what the hell they're doing, right? Um people, everybody's watching the game, also know that like, come on, guy, this is even people who never who don't even know anything about the game, they're looking at that hit and saying, What did he do wrong? Mm-hmm. If you do that to one of the biggest guys, right? Clay Matthews. The play, you know, on, on a on a big televised game, you're almost setting the tone for everyone else around the league. Mm. So it's not necessarily about them coming out to Clay Matthews. Right. No, I don't think so. No, no, they're not coming out to Clay Matthews. But he's the perfect guy to come but at. He's the perfect guy to come at. It's after. a white dude. Yep. He's got the, the long hair. Yeah. He's a clean player. Right. Right? He's known as a clean player. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I don't think any linebacker is totally clean, but, but, but he's for, not, for the most part. He's not um, perfect. He's not perfect. Right. He doesn't have incidents. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so it's like he's the perfect guy to make an example of, right? And and that's how you do it. You, it's like that for that. It's like that for contracts. I mean, I, I use that as a comparison to Des Bryant being on the street right now, right? It ain't it ain't nothing to do with Des Bryant. We all know that Des Bryant can play, but if you think you're gonna get you know turned down the deal from the Ra- uh, Ravens and all these other people because you're worth this amount, okay, we're gonna sit you on the street until the middle of the year. So okay. Before we get to Des, because I was going to ask you that, how is this going to uh, uh, figure itself out in terms, like, is this the new NFL? 50 points, 47 points, rookie quarterbacks could come in there that don't get touched, you know, because, I mean, listen, this kid Mahomes, is, he's obviously talented. Yeah, he is. So it has to do a lot with his talent, their kind of offense, timing, all these different things. But as a, a linebacker, you're like, I mean, Vaughn tried to get him. He just got away. Right. But, like, is this the NFL? Like, they're, they're breaking touchdown records, scoring records. Is this the way it's going to go forward? It's kind of like what happened with the NBA a few years ago where you can't touch them. You, you can't hand check them. You know, you, you know and, and the, the, not that Steph and these guys couldn't play back then, but they could flourish now. Right. So is this the way it's going to be? Yeah, no question. Um, well, I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to spend a lot of time outside the country. Like, I travel, right? I'm over in Europe a lot and South America. I'm, up, I'm everywhere else. And a lot of these people don't understand the game of football. They don't know the rules. They don't understand the concept behind it that it's really a chess match. They don't get it. One thing they do understand is points. They understand, it's easy to talk about a touchdown. I don't care where you at. That's why NBA is much bigger internationally because – it's exciting. They're, they're dunking. They're shooting three pointers. Mm. They're, you know, 120 points scored. That's exciting to people, and it gets more fans to be involved. No, you know, no one wants to see a 10 to six game. Right. A 10 to six game, and us as as you know, football fans and and the knowledge that we have of the game, knowing that those those two teams just got after it. Right. You know, the, the defenses played great. They were strapping guys up on both sides of the ball. We think it's amazing. Right. Outside the country, it's I like, man, I'm not watching this boring shit. You know, it's boring. I got you. They don't get it. So by them doing that, it expands the game much further than just the United States. I understand. So that, to me, is why, you know, all the games coming up in London, and, you know, I've got a chance to go over there, and uh, a lot of my buddies play soccer in other countries. 
and they all you know they call it the real the foot their football right but it's not football american football isn't exciting to them until they see a touchdown because everyone understands that um okay des bryant obviously could play football there's no injury right what do you think is gonna want i mean like this whole thing about dallas right he can never go back there he can never go back. I mean, that would be fucked up because that would be like, yo, I mean, he can never go back there, right? No, no, he can never go back there. And this is, I mean, this is why. I agree. You, you want to, I understand the organization, right? When you, when guys leave, they're a little bitter. You got cut for whatever reason that you're not performing, you're injured or whatever the deal is. That is a part of it. One thing you can't stomach is your teammates saying things about you on the way out the door. Oh, right. You can't. That's the part that who, who said things. Uh, I think Sean Lee. It was uh, it was a couple couple guys that right. came out and was very vocal about you know during his departure. You can understand the organization putting out because it got a leak from somewhere that he's older, he's injured, he's not as good as he was. You know that that those type of things may be coming from the organization. You can under, You can get that. What you can't understand is a guy coming out or guys your your brothers who you bled with and went to training camp with and went to war with for years come out and say these things about you. Same thing with Le'Veon Bell. I don't think Le'Veon Bell can go back in the locker room with the Steelers. Is he going to go back? Because now everybody, I might say now everybody, this is like my my fantasy football world. So my, my whole thing is fantasy. Right. So my everybody is like the guy who drafted Le'Veon Bell in the first round. He's like, yeah, he's coming back. And I'm like, you fucked up. Right. Is Le'Veon Bell coming back to the Steelers? I don't think so. I really don't. And I don't see how it could work either. It, it just can't work because you know why? It's it's too much static in the locker room after that. Uh, resentment, right? Well, yeah, it's not not even just resentment. You got to Pouncey's locker is probably a few lockers down. I don't know exactly where, but probably somewhere in the vicinity of Le'Veon Bell. Pouncey ripped him, and and other offensive linemen ripped him. These are the same guys. These are the same guys that he bought a Rolex for. For them, you know, doing their job and, and really the reason why it made him, in, in, you know, in a way. Now you got to go back in the locker room. I'd rather a guy call me up and tell me, you know what, this is what I feel about you. Because once you go to the media and start talking this way, now you made it personal. And it got nothing to do at, with money at this point. It got something to do that you don't like him. Right. Because they didn't do this when Antonio wanted his money. No. No one complained. No, no one complained. You know, no nobody said anything, and even now, there's still when Antonio Brown, there's some term, turmoil there. Right, there's some term, turmoil. Now it depends on if he's catching the ball or not. If he's getting, if he's playing well, if he's playing well, it's going to die down a little bit. If he's not getting the ball playing well, then it's through the roof. If I'm Le'Veon Bell, there's no way I'm going back there again because I know how my brothers, my family, how they feel about me. Right. So I I can't go out there and because football is a very emotional, you, you, and it's not like basketball. But basketball, you can go three, four teams. You go out there and you, you know you're gonna put up your average points per game, and you go in and you got a system or whatever, and you got a job to do. With football, man, you gotta when you two minutes left in the fourth quarter, you gotta lay it out on the line, and you gotta your wrist is hurting, your lower back because you just got nailed in your back to play before, but your guys need you. You you'll do something just for your teammates because mm-hmm. you know they need you. Now if you get in that situation this time. You know, Earl Thomas, right? Earl Thomas said if he got a, a fingernail chipped, his fingernail was hurt, he wouldn't practice it. There, he's doing that because not only the organization don't want you there, but you might not be there anyway. Mm-hmm. So Le'Veon Bell come back in the building, and you already know your, some of your teammates don't like you. 
the organization, you know, don't think too highly of you because they're not paying you. So what what do you what are you gonna go out there and lay on the line? So what what is gonna be the end result with Le'Veon Bell? I mean, obviously everybody wants their money and everything. I don't care if you work at a, a, a Starbucks, a copy company, and if you're the best person there, you I mean he's it's like Le'Veon Bell is top three running back. Yeah. I mean, so is he getting fucked? Yeah, no doubt. A hundred percent. I mean, he's top. I think we like now it's become this guy Le'Veon Bell, but it's like on a football field, this guy's ridiculous. You know, football is such a performance sport, right? It is nothing guaranteed. You get paid off of your performance. You go out and perform, you're supposed to get paid because the game is so short. So you go out there, lay it on line, you bust your ass, you do everything you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to get rewarded for it. Well, that don't happen. Like I said, it's a very physical, barbaric, violent sport. Once that not, once that's not happening, you start to feel unappreciated. In any other sport, you start to feel un, unappreciated. You can live with that because it's not as hard on your body. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through it physically. When you're feeling under, you know, not appreciated in the organization, and you coming out, and now you need to fight your way for another couple yards, and you're tired as hell, and you need to line back up again. Ah, uh, you gonna start thinking, huh? You know, I'm gonna, I might not be here anyway. If mm-hmm. something's a little hurt, a little sore, maybe I might take care of that first. Mm-hmm. So that's that's I think if he if he does, which I highly doubt, if he does go back in the locker room, it's gonna be a very Errol Thomas like situation. Right. So so I mean, you know, guys in the league, you're in the media now, Sean. What is your prediction? If you had to make a prediction for Des Bryant. What is your prediction for Le'Veon Bell? Just prediction. Des, I, I, I assume that Dez will get picked up in the next one to three weeks. And who do you think by? <sighs> who can you see that could use a Des Bryant? I can, I can see him still being able to go to Cleveland. He, you Jesus know, I, Christ, that's like the place. F- I, I see him still being able to go to Cleveland. Um, you know, I, the 49ers probably can use his help right now with, with uh, Garoppolo down. They need somebody out there. He has to go to a, a team that doesn't need to re- actually really rely on him but, but they just, could benefit but they can benefit because I don't I don't know where he's at physically right now to be able to go out and be the Des Bryant that we we've seen for for years it, it, it happens it the time and injuries and all the the pounding it catches up to you that doesn't mean you can't perform it just means that you're not the player that you were doesn't mean you're not a you know a, a, a player of a high caliber for them he just can't go into a locker room that's already fragile right I got you. And, and what is your prediction for Le'Veon? Le'Veon, I think that um, it'll be a couple picks and a player or something like that. They, they need to get something for him. Right. Uh, I don't see him going back. You know, I, it's just too much going on. It's going to be too much commotion. You got it. If something happens, now they got to fix the problem. Not even getting him back into the system. Forget that. That's easy. You know, he's going to come back in. They're going to be able to tote the rock and, 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 and perform. They're going to have to mend what's going on in that locker room, which – it's already crazy there right now anyway. Right. It's already, you know, all over the place. Right. You had Le'Veon Bell back in the mix with right. what's already happened. Now you got a real problem. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, all right. I want to quickly talk about your career and, and just like the beginning. First of all, my first question is this. Philip Rivers, one of the, like a guy who's like keeps going, keeps doing his thing. I've always liked Philip Rivers just as a player. What was he to- like? He doesn't talk shit as much as he used to. Right back in the days, you were in his draft with Eli, so you you were there when he was like he would be yapping. He was like almost like a wide receiver. Yeah, like you normally don't see quarterbacks talking shit the way he used to talk shit. What what was it like 
playing with Philip Rivers, and what was he talking shit about? Like was and he's like uh, like a real sort of like a religious guy. Was he yeah. cursing when he's talking shit? Never. I couldn't give him the curse to save my life. I almost did one time, but that was it. Well, to go back because I went to the University of Maryland and Philip went to NC State, so we played each other. Never. He never beat me while I was in school, by the way. But I didn't care for Philip too much either. I didn't like him. I thought the same thing everybody else does. In fact, one of his last games, um, I, I hit him in the end zone. I think it was one of the last plays of the game of his career. I hit him in the end zone. As I was getting up off of him, he like kind of twisted my ankle a little bit, like pulled, pulled on me as I was getting up. And he squared up with me in the end zone. So I'm like, hold on. <laughs> what quarterback squares up with anybody in the end zone? So I, 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 it turned a little bit. I got more respect for him. Right, he was he was dead ass. He oh, was, he was dead ass. He he wanted you know he wanted action for sure, but you know fast forward to me being drafted by the Chargers in two thousand five. I think he was there two two years before I got there, um, and I got around him, and I was like, wow, this guy's incredible, man. I've never seen anybody more passionate, emotional, and will do anything for his teammates. And then everything that I thought about him quickly switched. Philip is a, the biggest competitor of anybody I've ever been around in my entire life. He wants to win, 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 and always win. And meaning what? Why? Why? why articulate that specifically? What? You know, I, I give you an example. When we, the year I think it was two thousand seven, we started off one and three. Um, you know, we had a, he called a team meeting, kicked the coaches out, and he gave a speech, man, that turned our season around. Mm. He gave a speech to all of us that turned our that turned our season around. Um, and if it wasn't for him, I don't think we finished up 13-3 and three or whatever it was that year because of his leadership, uh, because of his respect level. You knew that you were going to get everything out of Philip that you possibly could. It was nothing he was going to leave unturned, anything. And so for that reason, you're going to do anything for him. It mm. goes back to the Le'Veon Bell situation. You got – because it's such a passionate, emotional, and, and physical game, you like, man, hold on. This guy, same year that he uh, in the playoffs, I think in the AFC Championship game, he played with a partially torn ACL. Mm -hmm. He had surgery that week mm. to clean up his ACL just so he can play in the game. He's that guy. He's that guy. So I understand what people are saying because when I was playing against him, I didn't like him. He's the type that you can hit him, he'll pat you on the on the head while he's on his back still, telling you good hit. Now that will piss somebody off as a defender. Because you're like, man, dude, don't talk to me. You're a quarterback, right? What, and I just hit you. It's, and it's, I just hit you. But he's patting you in the head and telling you good hit. Now, someone in the stands is seeing his head kind of jerk back in the motion. They're like, this dude won't shut up. But he's, he's not really saying anything that, you know, that, that warrants him being a kind of in a way shit talker. I got you. Um, all right. You're, when you go back to the, your rookie season, yeah. what's your first, like, you know, you, you you high school, college, sweat, weights, running, everything, dreaming, fantasies, fears, everything. When I when I ask you like your first moment, like yo, I'm in the NFL. What's the thing that comes in your head? Uh, my my rookie. So I came into camp late, right? Because right. of the uh, we had an injury clause, and my agent at the time we couldn't figure it out, and uh, so I came in like I believe a week or two late. It was only a two weeks before the first game, uh, and I came in. I was out of shape, man. I was like. I wasn't in football shape. I was pounding weights, running sprints and all that stuff, but my change in direction and all, I just wasn't there. I wasn't working out like I should. So I came in, and uh, some of the conditioning drills, I wasn't even finishing 
like right away from the, from the start. Now, I got LaDainian Thomason, Antonio Gates, Phillip Rivers, Lorenzo Neal, uh, Roman Oban, Donnie Edwards, Randall Godfrey. I got some uh, Jamal Williams, uh, Keenan McCardell. I got mm. some old heads in there looking at me like, oh, lights out, huh? You, you're a rookie. We ain't calling you. I can't, you know, I'm out, out of shape. I'm not looking good. And I'm the 12th pick overall. It's supposed, you know, supposed to be a big part of the, the team going forward. And uh, I just remember all of them coming up to me. And we went to a rookie dinner that Junior Seau had implemented a long time ago, right? Uh, where the rookies take out all the vets. Uh, <laughs> so this is their way of paying me back. I spent $32,000. They got me for a $32,000 bill. That's your holdout. That's your 10-day holdout. That was my, all right, you think you the shit. They ate everything. Drew Brees, all all the guys, they, Drew was ordering $1,000 wines. Uh, What's the Louis, how much is that? Louis the 13th or whatever? It was two or three of those bottles on the table by the time I looked up. So I'm from PG County, Maryland. I never spent money like this before. You never even had it. I never had it, right? So I got my first piece of money. That's funny. I don't even know. I'm I'm seeing all this stuff ordered, right? So I'm like, okay, you know what? 10 grand, whatever. I'm I'm literally, I'm sitting at the dinner table and I'm calculating it up because I'm thinking it's going to be around 10, 12 grand. I was like pissed off, but you know, I can, I can live. And uh, at the end of the night, uh, they brought over the bill and it said 32,000 and some change. And that wasn't, that wasn't even the tip. Right. No tip included. Right. And I, when I tell you I got light, so light, because I was pissed off, I got so lightheaded. You, you, you were going broke. I was, I was like, man, this is, I'm about to lose it. But then again, this is like their way of initiating me in for right. the time that I missed and also not being fully prepared when I walked in the building. I got you. So um, that, was, that, was my, that was my moment, man, when I was like, okay, all right. What are you, like- you going to do? What are you going to do? You going to tell Drew Brees, like, no? Now, we see Drew Brees the other night. He broke the record. What is your your memory of that Drew Brees? Your impression of Drew Brees now? Obviously, now he's icon. He's Hall of Fame. He's Super Bowl. He's Mister America. What made him Drew Brees back then? Well, one thing about about Drew is he uh, he always was on a mission, no matter what, right? So when when I say that that if the offense left first, right in the morning, and the defense had to go to meeting rooms, and we we flipped, flipped or whatever, he was leaving right out the the weight room. Straight to the meeting room. He was always on the agenda. He was always focused on focus, 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 moves to the next thing, focus. It was like I seen him talking to guys and communicating. He was, you know, he's still a, a, a players guy, but it was like no bullshitting around. It was like getting to, he was always focused on the next thing and such a perfectionist. Um, and I got to experience that the first year because Phillip wasn't starting yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you coming into the NFL and you play college, you've been around quarterbacks and you've been around people or whatever, but you never seen nothing like this. Mm. Um, and you know, I just said the other day, I was, uh, 10, 20 feet or whatever it was. I was away when he, when he, uh, dislocated his shoulder. Right. This is like one of the last games, if not the last game of the old five year, we right. weren't going to the playoff. We finished nine and seven that year. And somehow he fumbled the ball. Something was rolling out and kind of reached out for it to bring it back in. And two guys jumped on his back. Uh. And it was one of the most horrific sounds that I've ever heard of in my life. Because it sounded like a tree branch breaking almost. It was like you can hear it. Yeah, you can you can hear. It. And I didn't know if that was like helmet to helmet or whatever. I'm I'm guessing. And that you're watching. I'm right. Yeah, I'm on the sideline. So I started to walk down to the offensive side of the bench, uh, and where it happened was he was towards the end zone, but closer to the sideline. So I I don't know the distance how far it was away, but all I heard is scream. He came over, and when you 
he dislocated his shoulder. He couldn't put his arm down because it was out. You know, when you dislocate, it's out the socket. He literally could. It was, he couldn't put his arm down. So they came over the sideline and they put it back in. And from that point, I thought, I thought Drew was done. It was like, there's no way that he's going to play again. And if he does, it's no way he's going to be Drew Brees again. There's no way. Mm. Um, so he comes in, and we were working out with uh, Todd Durkin, um, his coach, and our coach doing the offseason workout before our, our offseason started, program right. started up. And I would just watch him work. I would watch him work every day, get that range of motion back. I would, you know, see him on the band works and, and just going out throwing and throwing and throwing and little by little by little. And I didn't even know at the time uh, until that night of the game where they announced that the doctors told him they only had 25% of the chance. Because I thought it was less than that. I thought it was like 10. Right. The way it happened, it was right, right there. And I was like, there's no way he's getting back on the field. So he's, he's about it. He's yeah, tough. man, he's the truth. Um, you played, uh, obviously, on the same team with uh, young Ladanian. Uh, out of all the guys, I mean, I'm sure it's not just one. Three running backs uh, that were just the biggest problem, fastest or just powerful, like like that you played against where you're just like, this guy is something. Yeah, um, and it's and it's hard to answer that question because I see an LT every day in practice. Right, so aside and, from him, so I mean, first of all, what was it like with him in practice every so day? So with L, man, it was... Uh, the crazy thing is people saw what he did during the games, right? Like the jump cutting on the right foot, go, you know, damn near making. I think he tore Ty Law's ACL by shaking him in open field. Right. L was doing that every day in practice. Right. Catching one hand out the backfield in stride, not even looking. It, it was just like, wow, this is uh, – it, it just got so normal to us. I got you. That we – you know, so now you're seeing another running back. You're like, uh, you know, whatever. But if I'm not, you know, looking at him – Adrian Peterson. What was he in his prime? Well, I mean, Adrian Peterson was he ran so damn hard, and I can tell you that in 2007 that we played them and he broke the rushing record against us. I've never seen somebody run so hard before in my life. When you say hard, what do you mean? I mean, as soon as, soon as he got contact with somebody, it's almost he turned it up a notch. He ran harder after contact. Uh, it was almost like he knew that he was going to break the record that game. It was like nothing he can do. He had. One play where they ran a sweep, but they ran something to my side, so I had a tight end um, offensive offense lineman to base block me straight up, and I put I keep my head on the outside because I know that he's going to bounce at some point. I know it. I'm sitting on the outside. I'm like, as soon as he come out here, I'm gonna get his ass right. <laughs> he turned his shoulders straight to the sidelines. Right, I've never seen anybody do this. He turned his shoulders straight to the sideline and ran as hard as he could straight to the side. He wasn't even going up the field. Straight to the sideline, and then. He turned his shoulders up the field. I got and you. And I went and swung for him and totally missed. And I was already outside. So I knew at that point, man, I was like, this this is something special. I've never seen anything like this before. That's cool. Okay, well, give me one more running back that you're like. Uh, I, I see my rookie year when I came in, Jerome Bettis. I mean. Was he bigger than you? God, I mean, the bus, man. So I'm you know, coming from college. You know, I can knock anybody. You know, I'm knocking anybody in the ass. If I hit you, you're going down, right? So. Uh, like they think we got them on a Sunday night or Monday night game. I forgot which which one exactly was. So I saw Bettis going through the middle. So I'm I'm like kind of folding back in the coverage a little bit. So I got a little bit of a running start. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to get him on primetime football. I'm gonna knock Jerome Bettis out, right? I, I got it fixed <laughs> in my head that I'm about to lay Jerome Bettis out. So I'm licking my chops, man. I can't wait. Cause I'm gonna, you know, I get the chance to make my name against Jerome Bettis. And I go and I hit him up top. Right. First of all, he's so he's so damn big. I couldn't wrap my arms completely around him. 
Like, I couldn't just get my arms around him. And I hit him on contact, and he went two more yards. And I'm sliding down his legs, and I'm saying, oh, shit. He drags me two more yards. Before he went down, he must have he went down six yards after I hit him. And that was like, you gave him a shot. I gave him a shot. And that, at that point, I knew. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the league now. The, the, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, and quarterbacks, who, who are the best quarterbacks you played against? It, hands down, um, you, you want to say team-wise, it's definitely Tom. But Peyton was up there, too, because Peyton would come out. He just knew – Peyton knew too much. He's, the way he scanned the field – and the way when he, he when he came up to the snap? when he came, when he came up to the snap he'll look over the field he'll look from that cornerback all the way to the other cornerback and he knew exactly what was going on and would start changing the play and that's all that uh, Montana Wyoming yeah. and all this shit yeah I, and, and it was even worse in like 2006 2007 when he was really really hot um, I'll never forget we played I think one night against them uh, Sunday night or Monday night game we played like 93 snaps. I mean, he was coming up to the coming up to the huddle and coming up to the line of scrimmage and hiking that damn ball. I thought I couldn't I couldn't breathe. By the 70th play, I was tapping to coming off the field, and as I'm getting off the field, he's calling the damn play, and then he catch you with a you know 12 minutes on the field. That's crazy. See, he just is like a, like a computer. He was a computer, and, no doubt. And Brady, I mean, he's. Did you ever imagine when you were playing that this guy would be playing? He's 75 years old now. Yeah, might be 80. I mean, somebody got to check, but. I mean, this is insane. He. One one thing about uh, about Tom Brady, man, he uh, I'll never forget my I think it was my rookie year. We was playing him out there in Foxborough, and I was coming off of the edge, and uh, I was about to hit him, and he kind of dug down. Right, his back is towards me. He doesn't see me at all. He felt you. He felt me, uh, and I went right over the top of him. He stood back up and looked back down the field again, and never flinched. And, and I was th- like, through a pass, through a pass, and I was like, man, this is wow. What, what just happened? Right, so that's crazy. It's it's just crazy. I, I have so many. I mean, just and I always looked at it, if you if you want to be a known. And I told uh, Von Miller this when he first got drafted, right? Because he called me um, before he got drafted, actually after he left school, and was just kind of picking my brain about the NFL. And I said, dude, and this is what I'm telling Von Miller. I said, if you want to make a name for yourself, you got to do it against the great quarterbacks. Period. You got to have a, you know, nobody cares if you go out and sack Jamarcus Russell three times. Like they, it's good for the stats, but it's nobody really. You don't get your you don't get your stamp by doing that. You go get Brady a couple of times. You go get Peyton Manning a couple of times. That's why you know I kind of started early because we had these guys. We had the Colts. We had uh, uh, the Patriots. All these guys right. early on. Uh, I think one of my first sacks against like Donovan McNabb. Um, I didn't start until the middle of the year, my, right. my rookie year. Uh, and I had another big sack my rookie year against Ben Roethlisberger. And I always approached the game that if you want to be known. You have to have great games against great quarterbacks. I got you. That's cool. The Khalil Mack, Von Miller, these are the the you know. The, I'm, it's like at nauseum now with the trade, whatever. These, who who else uh, uh, has really got the art of pass rushing uh, down from the linebacker position? Those two are the the you know one and two, two yeah. and one. However, yeah, you got to throw Justin Houston in there. Okay, he, he's he, his takeoff and the way he gets around the corner is bar none. Um. You know, obviously Joey Bosa, you know, is getting up there too when he's when he's healthy. Is he? What's the deal on him? He's man. He's how, a, how big of a detriment is it to their defense? It's he's a he's such a game changer that you can immediately tell if anybody holds onto the ball too long, that you immediately start thinking that, damn, if Joey Bosa was out there, that wouldn't happen. He's the real deal. Yeah, and it's and it's nothing against Mel, Mel, Melvin Ingram at all. I mean, I had my career. I had Sean Phillips right. on the other side of me. 
and Sean Phillips can hold his own. Right. So, you know, you couldn't come out and just game plan me every single time because then you know he's going to get off. Right. Um, and with those two, obviously, when they're back, they're the best pass rushes together in all of football. When What's the word on Bosa? Because, again, my fantasy team, listen, <laughs> fantasy, he, they, they were my defense, but it was I had to get sketchy. Yeah. Well, what's the word on Bosa? Well, he he had the bone bruise in his foot. Um, I had a, light, a lighter version of that before. And it sucks, man. It's so damn painful. And you can't the thing is but the, the bone bruise, you can't injure it a whole lot more. Uh-huh. Um, but it's painful as hell. Uh-huh. It's painful as hell. And you gotta heal up because it when you put your foot in the ground, it feels like it's broken. Your foot is broken. Okay. Uh so probably I would say another week or two. Okay, okay. You know, maybe another week or two. I think they expected for him to come back somewhere in the middle of somewhere in the middle of October. Okay. Towards the end or whatever. But if they can, you know, if they can get past another game or two and, and get a win. Right when he comes back, he's going to be healthy for the second part of the season, and that's scary. Got you. Um, all right, we know where we are in in football right now, based on everything we know. Who's playing? Who's not playing? Who's injured? Who's not injured? Based on everything we know, and hopefully everybody stays healthy. Who's gonna Who's gonna be the 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 final two teams? Let's do this. Final four teams at the end of the season. Well, for one, you always got to put the Patriots up there some way, right? They just find you. You can't. It's at this point where you can't explain you it. You can't anymore. bet against them. You can't bet against them because it's like, okay, this guy's gone. This guy's coming in. This guy's gone. He's coming in. They lost two in a row. Oh, the world's coming to an end. And then they win eight. You know, eight or nine in a row or or, or whatever. So you got to put them up there. You got to put Kansas City up there, right? I mean, the only thing that's scary about Kansas City um, is, for one, that they've had these fast starts before, right? They, they had this, a beautiful one last year. Yeah, they you know they they have these fast starts and they got they have a few injuries here and there. Then their whole season just goes to the dump. Um, but as they're how they're playing right now, you got to put them up there. Uh, who else on the NFC side? I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past in you know Chicago. Uh, I'm serious. I wouldn't because they're such a grimy team. Mm-hmm. They're such a grind, you know. They don't have the athletes all the all around, mm-hmm. right? They don't have the the star. You know, they got Khalil Mack. They got uh, what's the D tackle that plays next? Uh, um, Vic, oh no, uh, God, what's his it's name? Sorry, right, we don't fact check. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Rapport's yeah, the podcast. It's all good. So they don't have the stars, right? Uh, they don't have the stars as they once did. Uh, but the way they play is a te- they're the team that squeezes in in the playoffs right. and become very pr- problematic for other teams. Okay. They're the team that's like, man, sh- I hope we ain't got to play them, right? Okay. Because they're the ones that are just going to fight you for four quarters. Okay. Um, On the other side, who we got? Uh, Eagles. I like, I like yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, I agree. And you got to put the Eagles up there. Okay. Um, and then who's winning the Super Bowl? Or is it too early? It's just too it's early, just roll man. Your- But you got to roll the dice. The reason why I say that because you can pick Kansas City right now all day. I mean, for- is their defense going to hold it together enough? This, this is the thing. What a defense um, that they they can't tackle worth a damn. That's that's their problem. What does that mean when they say that they can't tackle? To me, it's like when you hear running backs, they'll go, "He can't catch." I right. can catch. Yeah. You can catch a football, but what, what is that? You can't tackle. I, I look at this. Tackling is a mentality. Uh, right, it's not a skill level. You, everybody, you know, the reason why they take the pads off now in practices and they don't make you thump every day is because you you should know how to tackle. Uh, you put yourself in a position to tackle. You wrap up and get your head to the outside and you take a guy down to the ground. Simple. You've been doing it since you were nine. Most most guys since they were kids. The mentality. I understand. They they don't have a they don't have a mentality there to go out and finish 
plays. Rough. They, they're rough. They don't. They're not swarming to look at look at the tackles they're missing. Even even though they're missing, it's not like a gang tackle. It's a guy, a cornerback miss, and another five or six yards before another guy is even in the picture. Can can that team change that? Is it a mentality? Can yeah, that mentality a, tighten up by the time you know we get into week 15, 16? Yeah, the problem is, is that how, how many games will they fall until that happens? I got until you. they really put their foot down and say, guys, we got to change this now. Got you. Right? But in their, in their, you know, in their defense, when you have an offense that can put up 30-plus 30 30 points a game like they have been, you might be okay. Okay. All right. Sean Merriman, my man, the ninth – it's going down. Pay-per-view. Bare fucking knuckle WBKFF. fight. WBKFF. It's going down. I wish you nothing but luck. Thank I'm going to be I'm going to be watching it right here. All right. Right here. This is where I watch. This is where I scream. Um I wish you luck. I can't wait to uh, uh, see you do your thing. Good luck with that and I appreciate you rocking with me. Sean. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right, I want to thank Sean Merriman for rocking on the I am Rapport Stereo podcast. It was a long time coming. Uh, good luck, the ninth. You're crazy, but I'll be cheering for you. I want to thank my man Nikki T, Nick Totoro, um, for coming back and facing the music for a uh, 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 less than uh, stellar prediction. What can I say? It's the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Miles, Jordan, take us out of here with something real nice, something real proper.